Hi guys, and welcome back to the Mystery and Comedy Old Time Radio Podcast. Please welcome to the show for our Thanksgiving episode, Miss Margaret O'Brien. In this episode, she plays a little girl named Margaret, who one Thanksgiving is watching her mother cook the turkey. And as she's watching, her mother tells her to run to her Aunt Cynthia's house to get some cranberry relish that she has made for them to eat with their Thanksgiving dinner. So she goes to her aunt's house, and as she's coming back, she notices that a lot that her and her friends play at is empty. And not only empty, it's covered up with a bunch of dirt. And as she's wondering where the lot went, she hears a noise coming from the ground. And hears a woman screaming. And so she runs back to her parents to find out what she can do to help the woman and get her out of the hole where the fort used to be before she ends up dying from asphyxiation. So the little girl is so persistent that even after Thanksgiving dinner's over with, she and her father go out, but her father doesn't hear the woman because he thinks it's an imaginary friend of his daughter's making that noise so he goes back and little margaret is left in the lot by herself when she hears the woman screaming and runs back to tell her dad but her dad automatically tells her that it's a figment of her imagination and sends her up to a room when she runs a slight fever so the little girl and a friend end up later on that night before it gets real dark end up digging and digging to get the lady out when all of a sudden they are stopped by their neighbor Mr. Kelly Mr. Kelly is hard of hearing so Margaret thinks that Mrs. Kelly is buried there but unfortunately for her not only is Mrs. Kelly alive they have to watch out for Mr. Kelly so Margaret's friend leaves her alone and so Margaret goes from house to house to find out who's missing and all of her neighbors seem to be accounted for except for Mrs. Nesbitt and she comes to find out that Mrs. Nesbitt is the one who is missing and it is called The Screaming Woman. And in this next episode, starring Mr. William Bendix as Chester Riley. Chester is so determined to have his family, all of them, celebrate Thanksgiving with him that he's gone out and bought a turkey. But unfortunately for him, none of his children want to stay with him 
or stay home for Thanksgiving because they all have plans with their boyfriend or girlfriend's family. So Mrs. Riley tells their oldest son, Junior, about their first Thanksgiving and how their dad, how much their dad loves the holiday season. So Junior and his sister end up staying and celebrating Thanksgiving at home. And it is called The Life of Riley. And in this last episode, to finish off my Thanksgiving presentation, we welcome back the great Gildersleeve. In this, they're celebrating Thanksgiving when their cook all of a sudden doesn't know that she is not invited to the feast. But not only does Mr. Gildersleeve have to re-invite her, he has to find a turkey. And so he looks and looks for a turkey and finally finds one. But a judge who he doesn't like has won the raffle ticket. So he tries to persuade the judge to give him the turkey. And the judge finally reluctantly and gives him the turkey. I hope you guys enjoy my Thanksgiving Part 2 episode. Please stay tuned after the episode to hear tonight's episode of Meet Me in St. Louis, followed by Miss Lucille Ball and Mr. Richard Denning in the CBS Comedy Show. My favorite husband. If you like the show, please comment and subscribe, guys, and enjoy the show. Thanks. In just a moment, Autolite presents Suspense, starring Margaret O'Brien. Over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house we go. The horse knows the way to carry the sleigh. Why, Hap, Hap, that's not the way to sing hurrah for Thanksgiving Day. What are you telling me, Harlow Wilcox? Why, no, no, Hap, this is the way it goes today. Over the river and through the woods and never mind the snow. Grandpa is happy with his jalopy, his batteries never low. Over the river and through the woods, blow high ye winds, blow low. The car's as snappy as grandma and pappy with an auto Autolite stay full, you know. But Harlow, Why, well, you not... see, half Autolite stay full batteries have changed a lot of things today. Harlow isn't anything sacred anymore. It's Thanksgiving Day. Let's listen to Margaret O'Brien on suspense. Suspense. Autolite and its 60,000 dealers and service stations bring you radio's outstanding theater of thrills. Starring tonight, Miss Margaret O'Brien in Anton Leder's production of The Screaming Woman. A tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. I'm Margaret Leary, and I've got to tell you how it happened. It was Thanksgiving Day, and it was nice and sunshiny. Almost like summer, except cooler. Mama was cooking the turkey, and I was watching. 
And Mom had said to me, Good heavens, I forgot. Your Aunt Cynthia's made some cranberry relish for us. Run over and get it, Margaret, so her feelings aren't hurt. And hurry, this turkey's done to a turn. So I ran to Aunt Cynthia, and on the way back I took a shortcut through Mr. Kelly's lot. It's a big lot, more like the side of a hill that slides down to Monument Creek. It's a swell place to play Indians and cowboys, or explorers are hunting for treasures, because trucks dump all kinds of stuff there. Loads of dirt and junk, and even big things like old cars and big pipes and chunks of concrete. Well, this day, coming back from Aunt Cynthia's, I saw that a lot of new junk and dirt had been dumped there since Saturday. They'd even covered up our swell big concrete pipe that us kids called our fort. Covered it clear up. I was looking around to see where it used to be when, all of a sudden... I stopped and listened. The sound was coming up out of the ground. A woman was buried under the junk and dirt and glass, and she was screaming all wild and horrible for somebody to dig her out. I started to run. I fell down and got up and ran some more. It was an awful, awful long way to our house that day. Mama! Mama! Margaret! Mama, Mama! Oh, Margaret, haven't I told you not to slam the door? Is that the relish? Listen, Mama, there's a screaming woman in the lot. Wash your hands, Margaret. She was screaming and screaming and screaming. Mama, listen to me. We've got to dig her out. She's buried under tons and tons of dirt. I'm sure she can wait till after dinner. Oh, next year, I swear I'm going to buy a bigger platter. Mama, don't you believe me? You've got to believe me. Margaret, I've got a million things to do. Good gosh, look at you. How'd you get your knees so dirty? Well, when he got to the lot, I... Never mind. Scoot and tell your dad we're about to eat. He's in the front room reading his paper. Yes, Mama. Daddy! Oh, Daddy, I've got to tell you something. Getting hungry, baby? Daddy, there's a screaming woman in the lot. I never knew a woman who didn't. Mm, Smell that turkey. We've got to get picks and shovels and dig her up, like we're an Egyptian mummy. Oh, Daddy! I don't feel much like an archaeologist today, Margaret. I can't think of anything but food. Let's have an expedition next Sunday and dig her up. But we can't wait that long. Oh, Daddy, she'll die if we don't do it now. I'll give you some money. Oh, so it's a business proposition. Well, how much do you pay by the hour? I've got five whole dollars. It took me a year to save. <laughs> Come here, Puss. You know I'm touched. Oh, but Daddy, You want I... me to play with you and you're willing to pay me for my oh, but... time. My dear, you're shaking. Calm down. Oh, Daddy, please. After our Thanksgiving dinner, I'll come out and listen to your screaming. Oh, but... How's that? Oh, no, now, Daddy. Maybe she'll die if you don't come out now. Oh, you've got to come now. Margaret. If you believe me, you wouldn't wait. You never believe me. Mama doesn't believe me. Ma- Nobody Margaret, believes me. quiet down right this minute. Oh, or but... I not only won't go with you, but you go to your room and stay in without oh. your Thanksgiving dinner. How oh, is that clear? Yes, sir. It's clear. I always liked Thanksgiving, almost next best to Christmas, but that was an awful one. Dinner was a million years long. Everybody moved so slow, like a slow-motion movie. Forks and knives and spoons moved slow, and Dad's cheek muscles moved slow when he chewed. Oh, try to make things faster. Margaret? You heard your mother now. Don't eat so fast. But, Daddy, the screaming woman, we've got to hurry. My dear young lady, this is Thanksgiving dinner, an occasion when we do not hurry. Oh, I intend to eat four or five helpings of everything until I can't eat any more. Then I'm going to 
make an extra effort and find room for pumpkin pie, a few walnuts, and stuffed dates. Oh, please, please, Daddy. Now, if you pester me anymore, if you mention her again, this screaming what's-this, I won't go out with you to hear her recital at all. Understood? Yes, sir. It's understood. I wanted to yell. Oh, please, rush, get up, run around, come on, hurry. But I had to sit still. While out there in the lot with the sun shining down, all alone with nobody to hear or to help her, was the screaming woman. I could hear in my mind, screaming. Mom and Daddy couldn't hear. They just kept on eating and talking. Well, now that I can be thankful for a full stomach, I guess we should consider what other things we have to be thankful for, hmm? Well, we're all healthy. Prices are sky high, but we're not in debt. Mm. Yet. Those are mundane things, my dear. I'm thankful for my big daughter. Right, Puss? Yes, Dad. And for my loving wife, who is still the most romantic woman I know. Oh, silly. <laughs> I'm thankful I didn't marry somebody else. You nearly married Dora Lampell. Even gave her a ring. No, I never meant anything. No one... No. You're the only one who's been the serious competitor since we were all kids. Oh? There's only one. One Ooh. other. Helen Nesbitt. Oh! <laughs> yeah, Helen was my first love. When she was about as old as Margaret, I gave her a present one Christmas, and she gave me one, and I still have it. Oh, that paperweight on your desk. Mm -hmm. Funny how we hang on to things that were important when we were kids. Daddy. Just a little longer, boy. Warm up my coffee, will you, dear? You know what I'm thankful for, dear? Seriously. That we stayed here in the same town where we grew up. Here you are, dear. Thank you. The same friends. Even the same street. Mm, it's been a peaceful life. Not very exciting, but... Daddy! Margaret finds it pretty exciting. <laughs> yes. You better take her out to the lot before she collapses. All right, now, where is your screaming woman? Lead me to her. Over here, where our fort used to be. Fort? There's a big concrete pipe. It's all covered up now. Yeah, Kelly's really getting this lot filled in. All right, where's the lady? Uh, right about here, Daddy. Listen. Don't hear a thing. Except the wind. Better button up your sweater, folks. Listen. Well, that's the trolley over on Aspen Street. Hey, there! Screaming woman! Hey! Hmm. Looks like the Dolans are starting out for a drive. Well, I guess your screaming woman's let you down, Puss. But she was here, Daddy. Right under here where they dumped all the dirt. I heard her screaming and screaming like she was underneath the fort. Somebody's dumped tons and tons right on top of our fort. Yeah, too bad they buried your fort, Margaret. I saw two of Kelly's big trucks backed in here last evening. There was a dump truck in here this morning, too. It isn't because they covered the fort. Well, it must be your screaming woman doesn't like grown-ups. Only delivers her solo for kids, I guess. Maybe she can't scream anymore. Well... I'm going back and take a nap. Let my dinner settle. Well, aren't you going to help me dig? Now, listen, my dear. Don't you think this is a sort of a silly game? But it's not a game. Now, don't stay too long, dear. Mama probably like some help with those dishes. Daddy! Daddy! I know I heard her scream. I know it. Oh, darn, darn, darn! Oh, no, 
You're there. You're still there. Hey, screaming woman. Oh, why did you scream before? Why didn't you scream so Daddy could hear you? Don't just scream for me. I can't help you all by myself. <laughs> down, young lady. We can't leave it down there, Dad. We just come can't. Come on, come on. Come on into your room. That's right. It's awful, Dad. It's awful for her to be screaming and nobody listening. Listen, nobody you caring. lie down, Post. Lie down. Now, come on. She'll choke where there isn't any more air and she'll die. Now, you're going to lie down the rest of the afternoon before you make yourself sick. No, I've got to dig. I've got to dig her up. It's all those comic books you read. Now, I forbid you to leave the house. Close your eyes now and take a nap. That's my good girl. Autolite is bringing you Miss Margaret O'Brien in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. Charo, I have a hunch you're going to give me another Autolite Stay Full Battery Thanksgiving song. No, not me, Hap. No? No, sirree. By Cornelius, I'm going to tell a Thanksgiving story. It's a fable. <laughs> Couldn't be anything else if you told it. Now, listen to this, my trigger-tongue trooper. Last year at this time, my car called me out to the garage. What? Quite a car, too, Hap. Once a year, she overhauls me. Wow, and on Thanksgiving Day, too. Harlow, she said, I have an empty feeling, and I'm so confounded thirsty all the time, I think you ought to do something about it. I'd like to end up Thanksgiving Day with that fine, full feeling that lulls you to sleep as soon as the mince pie disappears. Well, how, my pretty, says I, can all this be accomplished? Easy, she chimes. I need to switch to an Autolite stay-full battery. Why, with an Autolite stay-full battery, I'll never be thirsty. And if you use me normally, I'll need only three drinks a year. And what's more, with the oversized electrical capacity and fiberglass insulation of that Autolite stay-full battery, I'll have more power, stay lively longer, and save you time, trouble, work, and worry. And Harlow, for a fellow as lazy as you are, think what all this means. (laughs) Well, when she came up with all those points in my favor, I hurried, I hastened, I hurtled till I was exhausted. And by Christopher, I got an Autolite stay-full battery and gave it to Clarissa. I call my car Clarissa. Thanksgiving morning. We took a spin, and I could tell she was happier than a penguin with skis. (laughs) Sounds like Harlow in Wonderland. Well, now, let's get back to Margaret O'Brien and the screaming woman. And now, Autolite brings back to our Hollywood soundstage Miss Margaret O'Brien as Margaret in The Screaming Woman, a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. After a while, I stopped crying. I had to get back to the lot where that woman was screaming. But I was locked in. I tied a sheet to the bed and let it out the window and shinned down to the ground. Then I ran to the garage and got shovels and ran to the empty lot. The sun was almost down and it was getting cold. 
I started to dig fast. Hiya, Maggie. It was Zippy Smith, who was ten years old, the same as me. He goes to my school. What you digging for? For a screaming woman. She's down in the ground, and I'm going to dig her up. You can help me dig, Zippy. There's an extra shovel. I don't hear nothing. I don't dig unless I hear a scream. Then listen. I don't hear nothing. Just wait. You will. There. Did you hear it? Hey, that's okay. Do it again. Do what again? The screams. Do it again. Go on. I'll give you this Aggie to teach me to do it. Hot dog, did you get that ventriloquist book for a dime from that magic company? You got one of those ten things in your mouth? I, I, I won't tell unless you help me dig. Okay, swell. Give me the shovel. Hot dog. And, and you got to dig fast. Like this, Dippy. Boy, you think she was right under our feet. You wonderful, Maggie. Say, that's a screaming woman's name. You must have made her up a name. Oh, sure. Her name is Wilma Schweiger. And she's a rich old lady, 160 years old. And she was buried by a crook named Spike. Come on, Dippy, dig. chasing you out of this lot. If one of you gets hurt, it may be your folks that sue me. But, Mr. Kelly, there's a woman screaming. You kids beat it, do you hear? Yes, sir. But listen, Mr. Kelly, don't you hear her? There. I don't hear a thing, and neither do you. Now, now beat it. Come on, Maggie. Mr. Kelly, somebody's got to dig her up. Don't argue with me or I'll phone your folks. This is my property. Do I have to put up a fence? Why should I spend money to keep people off my own property? Dippy, it's him. He's the one. Huh? He murdered Mrs. Kelly. He hit her on the head and stuck her in the fort and dumped loads of dirt on top. But she wasn't dead. She came to. Why, you saw him. He stood right there when she screamed and wouldn't pay any attention. Hey, that's right. He stood right there and lied to us. What'll we do, Maggie? There's only one thing to do. We'll phone the police and tell them to come and arrest Mr. Kelly. <laughs> Right 
Yes, officer. You, Mr. Kelly? Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Is Mrs. Kelly at home this evening? Why, sure. Can I see her, sir? Why, sure. Hey, Anna. What's up? We got a call. Oh, good evening, ma'am. What did you do? Oh. oh, I'm sorry, folks. We got a call that Mrs. Kelly was buried alive in an empty lot. Sounded like some kid calling, but we had to make sure. We always check, you know. Well, I can't understand. It's those blasted kids. If I ever catch them, I'll break their necks. Maggie, tease it. If Mr. Kelly telephones my dad, I'll get a licking. What do we do about the screaming woman? What a heck with her. I'm not going near that lot again. Wait, Dippy. Huh? I know why he didn't hear the screams. Kelly's sort of deaf. Mama says he's hard of hearing. He heard us, didn't he? He heard the cop. He reads people's lips. But he couldn't hear the screaming woman because he couldn't see her. Dippy, come on. we got to dig some more. No, sir. But we've got to. We're already in a peck of trouble over your darn old ventriloquist voice. I'm not going to get in any more trouble. No, sir. And he went off and left me alone. I wanted to crawl down under the ground with the screaming woman and die, too. It was dark now, and Dad would be hunting for me. If he found me, I'd get a licking and be put to bed. And then nobody would help the screaming woman at all. There was only one last thing to do. So I did it. To go all over the neighborhood from house to house and find out who's missing. Why, hello, dear. Hello, Mrs. Griswold. Is anybody missing from your house? Is your sister from Detroit still here? Uh, yes, she's sitting right over there by the radio. Don't you see her? Em, little Margaret Leary wants... No, I, I only wanted to see her, Mrs. Griswold. I was just wondering. I just wanted to know if she was here. Hello, Mrs. Pikes. You're looking good. I'm glad to see you're at home, Mrs. Pikes. I'm awful glad. Mr. Hyde, is your wife still here? Dora, aren't you out pretty late, Margaret? Yes. Oh, hello, Mrs. Hyde. What is it, Margaret? I just wanted to see you, Mrs. Hyde. That's all. The hours were just rolling along, and I rang bells and knocked, and I rang bells. I was about to give up when I came to the Nesbitt's house. The house was quiet like nobody was at home. But I saw a dim, spooky light inside somewhere. So I just kept knocking and knocking. Oh. What do you want? Oh, nothing, Mr. Nesbitt. I only wanted to see Mrs. Nesbitt. She's not here. She's gone to the store. At night? Besides, it's closed today, I think. The drugstore down on Clark Street. Oh, well, then she ought to be back pretty quick. I'll come in and wait. Hey, wait, wait a minute. I'll just sit down here and wait. I sure like this rocking chair. Go right ahead and do whatever you were doing, Mr. Nesbitt. I wasn't doing anything. Oh, looks like you were packing or something with all those boxes and trunks around. Going away? Oh, Helen's been sorting things out, getting rid of a lot of stuff. Oh, burning it up in the fireplace. Uh, yeah, that's right. Dad always burns our junk out in the alley. Clothes smell awful when they burn. Uh, look, it, Helen may have gone on from the store to visit a friend. Well, if she doesn't come back soon, I'll leave. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell her you were here. 
What do you want to see her about? Oh, nothing much. Hey, that's too bad. What? I guess you lost the key to that box. You had to break the lock. No, no, it was broken already. Hey, I bet you folks don't know where you are, kid. No, sir. They think I'm in bed. What friend did Mrs. Nesbitt go to visit? Oh, I don't know. What... I mean, hey, look, kid, I, I ought to tell you, she won't be back tonight. Oh? No. She went to the store, like I said, but she was going from there over to Beachwood to visit her mother on a bus. She'd be gone two or three days. Oh, that's a shame. Why? Well, Mama was expecting Mrs. Nesbitt to come over tomorrow. Maybe to sell. Hey, you, you better not tell your mother. You see, it's kind of secret about Helen going away. She, she doesn't want people to know for a while. Oh. You, you know how to keep a secret, kid? I guess so. I, I'll give you something for not telling. I'll give you a reward. Let's see. Hey, here, here's something for a kid. A doll. A doll? Yeah, Helen was going to give it to you. I heard her say when she was sorting the stuff, she said, I'll, I'll give this to the little Leary girl. Mrs. Nesbitt always calls me Margaret. Well, sure, that's what she said. Margaret, that's quite a doll. Old-fashioned. It's made of leather. Face is china or something, see? Mm-hmm. Thank you, Mr. Nesbitt. It's a reward for not saying anything about Helen being gone. Understand? Now, come on. I'll snap on the porch light. Uh, Mr. Nesbitt, did you finish your driveway? What do you mean? Did you get all the dirt hauled off to make it smooth? Sure. Sure. Now, come on. I saw your dump truck in the lot this morning and... What do you mean? Were you in the lot this morning? No, no, I, I was at home. I looked out the window. Please, Mr. Nesbitt, let go of my arm. You've been playing out there today. Answer me. Oh, don't. That hurts. I wasn't playing. It's no fun now with our fort all covered up. The and... fort... What's that? Nothing. Nothing, Mr. Nesbitt. Tell me what you're talking about. Nothing but that old concrete pipe. You know something. That's why you came here. You've been snooping around that lot and you found out something. What do you know? I don't know anything. Let me go, Mr. Nesbitt. If you don't let me go, I'll... Come back! Hey, come back, kid. I'll give you something else. I'll give you something else. Come back, kid. Come back. Nesbitt yelled because I kicked and bit his hand. Then I ran, but I heard him running after me. It was dark and quiet and scary on the streets, and more scary out there in the lot. I ran straight across the place where I heard the screaming, and it was so quiet. And all of a sudden, there was a man in the lot, right in front of me. Stop, Margaret. Oh. Margaret? Oh, oh, Daddy. Margaret, where have you been? Do you have any idea how your mama's worried? Do you know how late it is? Daddy, Daddy's after me. We've been Mr. up Nesbitt. and down alleys and clear down to Clark Street. I was about to call the police. The screaming woman. It's Mrs. Nesbitt down there. I'm going to give you a good licking. Mr. Nesbitt killed her, and now he wants to kill me. I've had all of that idiotic talk I can stand. It's you... true. You've got to be... Margaret, I'm going to lick you right now, right here. I've had enough of... What have you got there? Where did you get that doll? Why, uh, I gave it to Larry. <laughs> Kids stopped by the house, I, I remember... Helen said she wanted to throw it away. Helen said to throw it away? He's lying, Dad. He gave it to me so I wouldn't tell about her. It was locked up in a box. He didn't have the key. He broke it open. <laughs> She's a high-strung kid, Larry. All the stuff she was telling me. He's lying, Dad. Yes, he is lying. Why are you lying, Charlie? Lying? How do you get that, Larry? Helen never let you have that doll. It was locked up. 
That was a present I gave her a long time ago. She wouldn't throw it away anymore, and I'd throw away the paperweight she gave me. Why are you lying, Charlie? I'm not. You don't look at me that way, Leary. As God is my witness, I... It's her. Dad, it's the screaming woman. As God is your witness. Leary, don't! No, God! Margaret, run to the house. Phone the police and tell them to hurry. Tell them we've got to dig. Hello? Hi, Dippy. Everything's fine. Everything's worked out keen. The screaming woman isn't screaming anymore. And they've got a lot of people down there digging her up. Hey, that's swell. Hot dog. And you know what else, Dippy? They're going to uncover our fort again. Oh, Dippy, wasn't it a keen Thanksgiving? Thank you, Margaret O'Brien, for a splendid performance. Miss O'Brien will return in just a moment. Oh, no, that Autolite Stayful battery fable wasn't bad, coming from a fairly fabulous fibber. Ah, but you haven't heard all of it, Hap. Why, by Cornelius, Clarissa, that's my car, Uh spoke to me again this morning. Thanks to you, she said, and that Autolite Stayful battery, this has been the happiest year of my life. Why, even these cruel cold mornings, I've got that Autolite pep, that Stayful battery get up and go. Well, Clarissa, I says to my gas buggy, you're the queen of the May, the lass with the delicate air, and the pride of Wilcox Alley all in one. What do you want now, my Thanksgiving precious? And she says, just to go to sleep out in the garage once again. Why, Harlow, you can even use my Autolite Stay Full battery for a pillow. Happy slumber and good night, everybody. And remember, Autolite means batteries. Stay Full batteries. Autolite means spark plug. Ignition engineered resistor spark plug. Autolite means... Ignition Systems, the lifeline of your car. And now here again is Miss Margaret O'Brien. It's been just wonderful being on suspense, and I hope you let me come back again sometime. We will, Margaret. And now let me tell our listeners about next week. Claude Rains and Vincent Price in the famous mystery story, The Hands of Mr. Ottermole. Another gripping study in suspense. Margaret O'Brien appeared by arrangement with Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, producers of the Technicolor picture The Three Musketeers, starring Lana Turner, Gene Kelly, and June Allison. Tonight's suspense play was by Ray Bradbury, adapted for radio by Sylvia Richards, with music composed by Lucian Morawieck and conducted by Lud Gluskin. The entire production was under the direction of Anton M. Leader. In the coming weeks, Suspense will present such stars as Rosalind Russell, James Cagney, Ronald Coleman, William Bendix, and many others. Make it a point to listen each Thursday to Suspense, radio's outstanding theater of thrills. And next Thursday, same time, hear Claude Rains and Vincent Price in the hands of Mr. Ottermole. This is the Autolite Suspense Show, signing off. Good night. Switch to Autolite.
This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. It's new, it's amazing, it's Prell. P-R-E-O-L, Prell Shampoo. Yes, Procter & Gamble's new Radiant Cream Shampoo in the handy tube. Prell brings you the life of Riley. Prell, the shampoo that removes unsightly dandruff in as little as three minutes... Leaves hair more radiantly clean, radiantly lovely, presents The Life of Riley with William Bendix as Riley. (laughs) Chester A. Riley is at heart a sentimentalist. He's sentimental about his family, about national holidays, and about his wife's cooking. Small wonder, then, that the Feast of Thanksgiving is Riley's favorite holiday. And with the event only a few days off, Riley is having trouble containing himself. Psst, Junior. Hi, Pop. Shh. Is your mother around? Oh, she's in Babs's room. Oh, good. Hey, what's in that big parcel? It's our Thanksgiving turkey. Yeah, but you told Mom we couldn't afford one this year. I never said no such thing. There's always going to be turkey in the Riley house on Thanksgiving. I'll see to that. I ain't so poor I can't afford a turkey for my family. I ain't a pauper, you know. And if the day ever comes when I can't go to a bank and take out $15.30... Pop, you open my piggy bank. (laughs) Junior, wait. Well, it's empty. You only left one quarter. Well, this is Thanksgiving, son. Give thanks that I left a quarter. (laughs) But that was my money. Well, let me finish, son. You don't think I'd steal from you. You weren't home and I needed it fast. Just a loan. I left you an IOU in there, see? And what's more, to show my appreciation, this year you won't have to eat the part of the turkey that you eat every year. (laughs) No, sir. This year I'm moving you up front. (laughs) Well, okay. If it's just a loan. Sure. Hey, I'd better hide this turkey in the icebox. I want to surprise your mother. Don't you tell her I got one. Okay, I won't. Oh, Junior, did somebody come in? Oh, yeah, Pop. Well, he was very quiet about... What's he up to? He... Oh, uh, nothing. Yes, he is. I can tell by your face. Yeah, well, um... He's got a surprise for you. Now, don't say I told you. A surprise? Yeah, but I can't say what. Oh, he must have bought me that dress I showed him in the May Company window. Um, Well, I certainly hinted enough. I can't wait to try it on. But, Mom, you don't... Oh, hiya, Dumplin'. Hello, dear. I, uh, got a little surprise for you. I know, and you're a darling. Junior, you told her. No, he didn't, I guess. And you're sweet. Oh, wait till you see it, Peg. Just the right size. And you won't have to do a thing to it. Except stuff it. <laughs> and there's no one can stuff it like you. <laughs> Riley, that's no way to talk in front of Junior. Well, why? He's seen a turkey before. <gasps> what? Talk about me that way. Who's talking about you? I'm talking about another turkey, a tom turkey. <laughs> In the icebox for Thanksgiving. Oh, you bought a turkey? For sure, that's the surprise. Oh. Why, what did you think? Well, never mind. I should have known better. 
Oh, gee, I thought you'd be glad I got a turkey. Oh, I am, dear. Oh, we'll have a great Thanksgiving. And this year, there'll be plenty of turkey. I'll just carve it up four ways. Well, you better make it three ways, Pop. I'm going to be at Marilyn Morris's for Thanksgiving dinner. What? You're going to Marilyn's? Leaving your home on Thanksgiving? The pilgrims never acted this way. But, Pop... When John Alden said, let's all go over to Priscilla's for Thanksgiving, Miles Standish said, speak for yourself, John. I'm eating home. <laughs> and that's history. Your version. But, Pop, I thought we weren't going to have a real Thanksgiving I dinner. I don't want to so hear I... no excuses. If your family means so little to you, go ahead. Go to Maryland. We don't need you here. I still got your sister, Babs. I... Well, can... Riley, I, I'm afraid Babs isn't going to be here either. She's been invited to Helene's. Babs, too? Well, this boy's going to be there, and she... Well, she's... that's a fine thing. Thanksgiving, and your own kids can't wait to get out of the house. After all I've done for them, too. It ain't every father that would rob a bank to buy a turkey. <laughs> Riley! Junior's bank. Gee, Pop, I didn't know Thanksgiving meant so much to you. Yeah, well, it does. And there's a reason. Let me tell you a little story about Thanksgiving. It happened 18 years ago. There was this poor couple, just married, looking forward to their first Thanksgiving together. And then it happened. Two weeks before Thanksgiving, the boy was working in the stockyards in the slaughterhouse. And by accident, he got in the wrong line. <laughs> and in a sad case of mistaken identity, they hit him on the head with a sledgehammer. <laughs> Soon he was sinking fast. He was out of his mind. And every hour he'd ask, is it Thanksgiving yet? And his bride had to tell him no. Not yet. And soon the doctor could tell that the boy would never see another Thanksgiving. So a week before, when he asked with tears in his beautiful eyes, is it Thanksgiving yet? His bride answered with a little white lie. Yes, dear, it is Thanksgiving. And she brought in a turkey with all the trimmings, and they shoved a drumstick in each of his hands. But he was too weak to hold him. So the doctor had to feed him cranberry sauce with a hypodermic needle. <laughs> but it was too late. Suddenly, he heard a rushing sound, like the beating of giant turkey wings in the air. And he knew that he was headed for that land where there's always pumpkin pie. <laughs> he turned to his bride and he said, Grant me a dying request. Promise that our unborn children will always keep Thanksgiving sacred in their own home. And with that, he was gone. Gone west. Junior... That boy was Chester A. Riley. <laughs> Pop, you didn't go west. Who didn't? How do you think I got to California? <laughs> Chester Riley, what's the big idea telling Junior a fantastic story like that? Well, maybe the details ain't exactly true, but it's the idea that counts. That's how I feel about Thanksgiving. And if you can't respect my wishes on this one day, Junior, I'm resigning as your father. Go get yourself another father. Riley! Gee, Mom, why does Pop make such a fuss about Thanksgiving? Was that story really true? Did, did he get hit in the head with a sledgehammer? Mm, no, dear. He sounds as if he did, but he didn't. <laughs> but he does feel very strong about Thanksgiving. For a different reason. You see, it happened the first year we were married. Back in Brooklyn? Yes. Oh, we were having a bad time. 
Your father wasn't working, but we decided to have a real Thanksgiving dinner and invite my father. Well, your father got a part-time job, and he was supposed to bring home a turkey. And I remember when he came home. Hi, Peggy. I'm home. Oh, Chester, I thought you'd never get here with that turkey. Where is it? Let me see it. Uh, look, Peg, cranberry sauce. What's Thanksgiving without cranberry sauce? Well, yes, but... And look, chestnut dressing, pumpkin pie, and nuts. Chester, you do have a turkey. Well, no. Oh, but the butcher promised to give you a turkey if you helped him out today. Yeah, he gave me a turkey, all right, but the only one he had left was a live one. Well, what's wrong with that? I didn't have the heart. Oh, Chester. No, I, I couldn't, Peggy. I, I just couldn't. I tried to. I, I lifted the axe and... Then it looked up at me, and I couldn't. Had big brown eyes, just like yours. Well, why didn't you get somebody else to do it? That's exactly what I tried to do. I took it out in the street, figuring that if I let it cross the street like a pedestrian, some driver would run over it. <laughs> Smart, huh? Well, what happened? The last I saw of it, it was heading down the steps into the subway. I still can't figure out where it got a nickel. Chester, what'll we do for tomorrow? We have no money to buy a turkey. Ah, don't you worry. I got something just as good as a turkey. A goose? No, but you're warm. A, a duck? Look, ain't it beautiful? A whole salami. Salami? Yeah. For Thanksgiving? But you told my papa we're going to have a real feast. He's expecting turkey. Oh, gee, I'm sorry I disappointed you, Peg. Oh, well, I, I don't care about myself, but... You know, Papa, he'll start insulting you the way he always does. Yeah, and then... well, this time I'll deserve it. I shouldn't have bragged about the big turkey we're going to have. Oh, Peg, I'm no good. Oh, now, don't say that, Chester. No, it's true. I'm a failure. You, you, you should have married Sidney Monaghan. But I didn't want Sidney. I wanted you. No, but he's a success. You'd have had everything. An apartment on Ocean Parkway, a Victrola, a rubber plant, <laughs> an Essex. And over the mantelpiece, a gold-framed picture of President Hoover. You could have had all that, and instead you had to go and fall for the first pretty face that came along. Oh, I still say we should have called the whole dinner off. No, no, Peg, that would have been worse. At, at least this way your father will see that I tried, and... But when Papa sees that salami... It's too late now. There he is. Well, 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 happy Thanksgiving, children. Oh, hello, Papa. Hello, Mr. Barker, sir. Oh, come now, my boy. No more of that Mr. Barker stuff. From today on, just call me Dad. Well, thanks, Dad. <laughs> Say, look at that table. Oh, this is going to be a real feast. Well, when do we eat? Well... Anytime you say, Papa, I'll, I'll get things ready. Sure, let's eat now. I'm starved. Oh, well, we figured you had a big lunch, Dad. <laughs> not today, my boy. I had lunch with some of the boys. They all ordered turkey, but I said, not for me. <laughs> I'm getting plenty tonight. So I just settled for a salami sandwich. <laughs> well, you should have played it safe and had turkey. After all, you know turkeys, no brains. Anything can happen with them. For all you know, our turkey might have decided to take the subway to Coney Island. <laughs> subway to Coney Island. 
<laughs> Son, did anyone ever tell you he had a great sense of humor? Mmm, <laughs> doesn't that turkey smell wonderful? Dad, did anyone ever tell you you had a great sense of smell? <laughs> well, let's sit down, my boy. Yeah, let's sit down. Mind if I carve, son? No, 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 but we ain't got a carving set. Oh, don't worry, I brought my own right here. Always like to use my own tools. Gotta have a sharp knife to cut through those joints. This one ain't got any joints. <laughs> well, Peggy, bring it in. In a minute, Papa. All right, Chet, place your order. What do you like? White meat, dark, breast, drumstick? Well, here it is. Just cut me six inches out of the middle. Right, six inches out of the middle. Wait a minute. What do you call this? Salami. Salami? Salami? Yeah. I guess you sharpened the knife for nothing. Oh, no, I didn't. Now, wait a minute. Put it in the pocket. Put down that knife. Salami. On Thanksgiving, I should have known that an oaf like that couldn't provide a decent meal. Oh, it wasn't his fault, Papa. Where's my hat and coat? Papa, you're not going home. I certainly am, and you're coming with me. For good. Now, pack up. No, Papa. I'm staying with Chester. No, Peggy. No, your father's right. Pack up and go. And I'll pack up and go with you. You'll stay right here. I must have been crazy when I let her marry you. Why, I... I, Papa, please, somebody's at the door. Why, Sidney Monaghan! Happy Thanksgiving, Peggy Pie. Hi, Dad Barker. Well, hello, Sidney, my boy. What do you want here, Monaghan? Well, I happened to stop by Schultz's butcher shop yesterday, and I heard about your trouble with that turkey. So, if you don't mind having a lonely bachelor for dinner... <laughs> Here you are. Oh, Sydney, a whole turkey. All cooked and everything. All you have to do is heat it up. Now wait a minute, Sydney. Oh, you shouldn't have done it, Sydney. Sydney, my boy, you're a prince. Oh. Take, take charge of this wonderful bird. Now look here, Sydney, my boy, sit down at the table. Yeah. Riley, get up and give Sydney your chair. <laughs> now just a minute. I stood enough. I got my pride, you know. I ain't taking no charity from you, Monaghan. Give me that turkey. Chester, what are you doing? This turkey goes out the window. <gasps> Chester, don't you dare. Either this turkey goes out the window or I go. You put that turkey back on the table. All right. If that's the way you want it, I'm going. Where's my suitcase? Oh, Chester. Now, here it is. Chester, you stop this. No, don't you worry. I'm only going to take what's rightfully mine. Where's my salami? <laughs> bring you the second act of The Life of Riley in just a moment. There's a radiant air about Prell-washed hair. Yes, Prell, Procter & Gamble's radiant cream shampoo gives your hair that radiant air the very first time you use it. That's because Prell's exclusive radiant cream formula leaves hair more radiant than any soap shampoo, cream, or liquid. Prell simply cannot leave a dull soap film to hide your hair's natural highlights. Instead, Prell leaves hair radiantly soft, radiantly smooth, radiantly lovely. And Prell washed hair is easy to manage, too. Easy to set and comb into your favorite hairstyle. No worry about embarrassing dandruff, either, when you shampoo with Prell. Because Prell removes such dandruff in as little as three minutes. Doctor's examinations proved it. With Prell, you can be sure of hair that looks clean, feels clean. So give your hair that radiant air. The very next time you shampoo...
Try the radiant cream shampoo in the handy tube. Try Prell. P-R-E-L-L, Prell Shampoo. Buy Prell tomorrow. And now back to The Life of Riley with William Bendix as Riley, as Mrs. Riley is telling Junior the story of Riley's first Thanksgiving back in Brooklyn. Gee, Mom, so Pop really walked out on you. Well, you can hardly blame him. Of course, I sent your grandfather right out after him to bring him back. And he found him? Yes, roaming the street, broken-hearted. Oh, well, what happened when he brought him back? Well, he didn't. You see, Papa had some plans of his own that I wasn't in on. He took him over to Papa's own house, and later on, I found out that... Riley, I brought you here because I think it's time you and I had a man-to-man talk. Well, I ain't giving her up. Don't jump to conclusions. Have I asked you to? Yep. I love her. Of course you love her. I love her, too. We both want to do what's best for her. Now, well, Peggy loves me. Now, yes. But 20 years from now, her youth gone, her beauty faded, made old before her time by years of scrubbing, washing, ironing. After 20 years of this back-breaking drudgery, how will she feel? Tired? <laughs> She'll hate you. No. Yes, you can't support her. Now, perhaps a separation is best. Now, if you just sign this paper here, you... No, no, I ain't giving her up. I'm not asking you to give her up. Just a trial separation. Say six or eight years. <laughs> here, here's a pen. No. No, I'll support her. I'll, I'll get a job. Who'll give you a job? I'll start at the bottom. It won't pay anything. But then I'll start at the top. That takes education. Then I'll study. That takes brains. I'll start at the bottom. <laughs> uh, how much? Eight dollars a week? Ten? How can she live on that? She'll manage. I'm supporting her on nothing now. <laughs> yes, yes, she'll manage. But year after year, you'll watch her grow old and worn before your very eyes. Oh, I couldn't stand that. Of course not. You have a heart. You love her. You can't stand to see her suffer. So what do you do? You take to drink to forget. No, never. No, no, I, I can't stand liquor. You force yourself. First it's a drink a day, then a pint a day, then a quarter a day. First thing you know, you're locking yourself in hotel rooms with a whole case. You're a confirmed drunkard. I'll stop. You can't. I'll join Alka-Seltzer Anonymous. <laughs> You're too far gone for that. You've got to have that drink. You can't live without drink. You'll do anything for a drink. Stop. Give me a slug of gin and I'll sign. <laughs> That's the idea. Here, here's the pen. Well, Dad, did that dumb jerk fall for the separation gag? Quiet, for Pete's sake. Monahan. Oh, oh I, I didn't know he was here. Sign the paper, my boy. Wait a minute. What's this about a separation gag? Uh, that has nothing to do with you, Riley. Uh, what's this dad business? Uh, that has nothing to do with you, Riley. Yeah, what about this dumb jerk? Don't tell me that's got nothing to do with me. <laughs> come, come, my boy. We're wasting time. I get it. It's a plot. You and him are in on it. Trying to get me drunk so I don't know what I'm doing, so he can get pegged. Well, I ain't signing. I'm tearing it up. Now be sensible, Riley. You bet I'm going to be sensible. And I'm going to start off by poking you right in the nose. Oh! Now, Riley, see here. I had enough out of you, too, you old goat. What? I'd give you the same treatment he got, only I don't want my children to have a grandfather without teeth. <laughs> now wait, Riley. Out of my way, Dad. I'm going back to Peggy, and I'll never give her up. You're stuck with me for life.
I'm back. Peg. Peggy. Peg, wh- where are you? Peg. She's gone. Her suitcase is missing. She left for good. She jilted me. She didn't even love me enough to wait at least a couple of hours. I bet she was in cahoots with them. Yeah, the three of them were in the plot. Three in one plot? Bad business. (laughs) Who's that? It is I, Digby O'Dell, the friendly undertaker. I I didn't hear you come in, Digger. Who does? I got troubles on my mind. Well, we all have our problems. Only yesterday, a gang of hoodlums pilfered a sign from a mattress store and hung it on the door of my business establishment. Ooh, I was mortified. Why? What did the sign say? Give us a trial and you'll sleep as you've never slept before. <laughs> well, you call that trouble? My wife has left me. Oh, too bad. My dear wife left me once, but I got her back. Oh, too bad. <laughs> we had a spat and she ran home to her father. He came to the door. Said I, Daddy-in-law, produce my wife. Said he, never. We have grounds for divorce. Said I, I do have grounds. So produce my wife or you'll wind up in them. <laughs> she came back, I'm glad to say. Uh, well, Peg left me for a different reason. I can't support her. I guess I'm a failure. Oh, don't say that, man. Many a so-called failure has turned out to be a great success. Take the case of a colleague of mine. J.P. Jenkins. A year ago, his business was so bad, he couldn't dig up a single customer. Is that a fact? Oh, yes. Then he moved to California, and today he's one of the biggest men in our business. You've heard of the Wolf of Wall Street? Uh He's known as the Groundhog of Forest Lawn. Well, I don't even want to be a success now that Peg has left me. Nonsense. You must go after her. Then the flame of love. Puff, puff. No. No, I got my pride. If she's so anxious to leave me, I ain't going to run after her. I can get along without women. What will you do? I'm going home to my mother. <laughs> Riley, take my advice. I don't need your advice. And stop meddling in my business. Go home. You ain't welcome here. Very well. I'll go. I may not be welcome here, but you'll always be welcome in my place. (laughs) Well, cheerio. I'd better be shoveling off. Who is it? It's me, Mom. Chester. Mom. Your little boy has come home. There, there, now, Chester, sit down. Dry your eyes and blow your nose. I can't. I packed my handkerchief in my suitcase. (laughs) Oh, Mom. There, there, tell Mother all about it. Oh, Mom, you never told me marriage would be like this. Like what, Chester? I never should have left you. Why didn't you warn me about all women being brutes? Chester, Peggy hasn't lifted a hand to you. Oh, no. No, she was always a perfect gentleman that way. (laughs) But she just never tried to understand me. She just took me for granted. That doesn't sound like Peggy. Now, it's true. She didn't treat me like I was a person with feelings. For her, I was just a... 
a rag, a bone, and a hunk of hair. And I'm never going back to her. There, there, now. I've got your old room ready. You go in there, have a good cry, and things will look different in the morning. Oh, all right, Mom, but things will never be the same again. We'll see. Oh, and if you're hungry, Chester, there's a turkey in the icebox. I never want to hear that word turkey again. All right, son. Good night. Good night, Mom. Hello, darling. Mom! Help! There's a strange woman in my bed! Better look again, son. Why, what's the matter, Chester? Aren't you glad to see me? Peggy, it's you. You came back to me. I never left you, Chester. But I thought... I waited for Papa to bring you back, and then I found out what he and Sidney were up to. So I came here to wait for you. Oh, Peggy, darling, I thought I'd never see you again. Oh, silly. How could I walk out on you, sweetheart? Well, I wouldn't blame you. After all, I'm not much of a success. I haven't even got a job and no prospects, and as far as looks go... Well, yeah, I guess you would be silly to walk out on me. (laughs) Well, don't forget, Chester, I married you for better or for worse. Yeah, and the worst is yet to come. (laughs) Oh, I'm so happy, Peggy. Let's go home, huh? Well, it's late, Chester. Let's spend the night here. All right, sweetheart. Kiss me, Chester. (laughs) Peggy. Yes, Chester? Uh, Now that we're back together again and I've got you in my arms, you know what, honey? What, dear? There's a whole turkey in the icebox. Let's eat. (laughs) The Rileys will return in just a moment. If unsightly dandruff is one of your hair problems, here's news. Prell, Procter & Gamble's Radiant Cream Shampoo removes such dandruff in as little as three minutes. Yes, in as little as three minutes from the first application, Prell's fast work removes ugly dandruff flakes. Examinations by a group of doctors proved it. What's more, in most cases, even stubborn dandruff was controlled by two regular Prell shampoos a week. And you couldn't find an easier-to-use shampoo than Prell because that Prell tube's so handy. No waste. No spill. So get the shampoo in the tube for hair that's radiantly lovely and radiantly clean. Ask for Prell. P-R-E-L-L Prell Shampoo Leaves hair radiant, clean, and bright Not a bit of dandruff is in sight Comes in a tube, handy too P-R-E-L-L Prell Shampoo Well, that's the story, Junior. You can see why Thanksgiving means so much to your father. Yeah, I guess it does. Oh, oh, excuse me, I thought nobody was here. Oh, uh, Pop, I changed my mind. I'll stay home for Thanksgiving. You will, Junior, honest? Oh, sure, Pop. I'll call off my date. And I'll get Babs to stay home, too. Well, that's more like it. Oh, it'll be a great Thanksgiving. I may not be a big success, but as long as I got your mother and two wonderful kids, I got lots to be thankful for. And as long as your mother's got me, she's got lots to be thankful for. Uh, Junior, what, what are you going to be thankful for this Thanksgiving? Me? Yeah. Well, I'm going to be thankful we have turkey instead of salami. Peg, you shouldn't have told him. Roger and Gamble invite you to join us again next week to hear The Life of Riley with William Bendix as Riley. The script is by Reuben Schiff, Alan Lipscott, and Dick Powell. 
Mrs. Riley is Paula Winslow. Digger O'Dell is John Brown. The Life of Riley is produced by Irving Brecker. And remember, for more radiant hair, free of unsightly dandruff, get the shampoo in the tube. P-R-E-L-L. Prell Shampoo. Today, it's more important than ever to keep your lovely nylons lovely longer. With my budget problems, it certainly is. But how? Well, you can bet your budget they're safe in snow. Yes, safe in... (laughs) Wonderful ivory snow. Ivory snow care helps protect lovely colors, flattering fit, reduces stocking runs. And ivory snow gives instant suds even in cool water. It's the only soap, both ivory mild and granulated for efficiency. There's no other soap like it. Ivory snow is ideal for all fine washables. Your hands will tell you why. Wash dishes with ivory snow. See how it pampers your hands. Then you'll know why lovely washables stay lovely longer with... Wonderful ivory snow. This is Ken Niles reminding you to listen again next Friday when Procter & Gamble brings you The Life of Riley. The Riley send congratulations to station WGBF, NBC's affiliate in Evansville, Indiana, on its 25th anniversary. Good night and happy Thanksgiving. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Kraft presents The Great Gildersleeve. (laughs) The Kraft Cheese Company, who also bring you Bing Crosby every Thursday night, present each week at this time Harold Perry as The Great Gildersleeve, written by John Wheaton. We'll hear from the great Gildersleeve in just a moment. You know, these days, it's pretty difficult to get the variety of foods you used to get. That's why you should make the plentiful foods you can get as appetizing as possible. Now, one easy, economical way to make foods taste better is to use delicious parquet margarine at the table and for cooking, too. First of all, of course, parquet margarine is a perfectly delicious spread for bread or toast or rolls. And next, parquet margarine is a tasty seasoning for potatoes and all hot vegetables. Parquet margarine makes cookies and pastries taste better, too, because it's a real flavor shortening, not bland and tasteless as some shortenings are. And lastly, you'll find parquet adds tempting extra flavor to pan-fried foods. Yes, you can make everyday foods taste better when you use parquet. Remember, too, it's a nourishing energy food that contains vitamin A. So ask your dealer tomorrow for wholesome, economical parquet, P-A-R-K-A-Y, parquet margarine made by Kraft. Well, let's get on to the great Gildersleeve, who's been putting in a busy Saturday morning down at the water department, trying to clear his desk of all the odds and ends that have piled up there. As we join him now, we find him almost down to the blotter and feeling pretty good about it. Action, yes, action. That's the keynote today, Miss Fitz. And you have accomplished a great deal this morning, Mr. Gildersleeve. Yes, sir. Never put off till tomorrow what you can do today. I try not to. 
Uh, Procrastination is the thief of time. Uh, there's a letter here. Time and tide wait for no man. This woman wrote in two weeks ago. For want of a nail, the shoe was lost, Miss Fitch. Action, that's the thing, action. <laughs> Mr. Gildersleeve, are you going to answer this woman's letter? What does she want? Action. Be sure. <laughs> well, uh, let's see the letter. She says she wrote in two weeks ago and never got an answer. Oh, oh yes, I remember this. Uh, take an answer. Very well. Uh, dear madam... In reply to your recent letter regarding a kneel in your bathtub, <laughs> we wish to thank you for calling this to our attention. After a thorough investigation of the matter, we wish to report that it would have been impossible for the said eel to have gained access to your tub through the faucet. As all our water is carefully filtered, and furthermore, standard plumbing fixtures are too small to accommodate a kneel of the dimensions you describe. <laughs> We can only suggest that the creature either crawled up the drain, in which event your attorney should get in touch with the Department of Public Works, not us. Or possibly it was placed in your tub by an enemy. While it's out of our department, we'd suggest that a stopper kept in the tub at all times should prove an effective precaution against eels in the future. <laughs> Failing which, we'd advise a closer check on your friends. Very truly yours, Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve, Water Commissioner. You got that? Yes, Mr. Gildersleeve. That ought to hold her. What's next? Well, I don't know whether you want to do anything about this. Let's have it. Action, Miss Fitch. Let's clear the decks here. Uh, very well. This it... is no time for bottlenecks. Uh, no. Uh, this You'll is... notice that in every photograph of Donald Nelson, there's not a single paper on Donald Nelson's desk. That's the only way to be an executive. Do it now. Strike while the iron is hot. Come, come, come. What have you got there? A six-month reminder from your dentist. <laughs> well, suppose you put that in the deferred file. That's where it came from. You're a hard woman, Miss Fitch. <laughs> All right, call up the dentist and make an appointment for Monday. Good. For Leroy. <laughs> Come on, let's get on here. Time's wasting. Hey, have you got the application for my B gas ration? Yes, it's right here. Oh, I must remember to get that in this afternoon. It's all filled out. All you have to do is sign it. I better check it over. Let's see here. It says, uh, occupational use of the vehicle. If vehicle is used for driving between home and fixed place of work in the principal occupation as stated in items four and six above, answer all questions in part A below. <laughs> if vehicle is used in the performance of the principal occupation stated in items four and six above, Oh, brother, I'll take your word for it, Miss Fitch. <laughs> oh, uh, you also have to get the signatures of any person sharing the ride with you. Oh, well, Judge Hooker is my share of the rider, but he isn't speaking to me. He can darn well sign, though. I understand very few people are going to get the B rations. Oh, I'll get one, all right. After all, I'm a city official. I have to do a lot of official driving. I'm entitled to one if anybody is. Yes, but uh, have you heard who's head of the ration board now? It, it doesn't make any difference. Who? Judge Hooker. Mm, Judge Hooker. <laughs> oh, my goodness. If Hooker will find some technicality. He'll block it if he has to stage a filibuster. Maybe I'd better invite the old goat to Thanksgiving dinner after all. That might soften him up a little. Yes, certainly. Mm -hmm. He couldn't accept a man's hospitality and then trick him out of his B card, could he? I don't recall that the application form covers that. No, I didn't think so. Quiet. Here comes the old sourball now. Well, hello there, Judge. <laughs> 
bus leave, Gildersleeve. Yeah, the bus leaves whenever you're ready, Judgey. I'm ready now. Be right with you. Can't keep a customer waiting, can we, Miss Fitch? I'll get my hat and coat. Mr. Gildersleeve, uh, you're not forgetting. Forget uh... you. Oh, yes. Uh, thank you. While you're waiting, Judge, Miss Fitch has an application blank there that requires your signature. A mere formality, you know. What's this? Uh, just to show that I'm sharing my car with you. Oh, so you're applying for a B-ration book, huh? Aren't we all? (laughs) (laughs) Give the judge a pen, Miss Fitch. Here, oh, use mine. It's a self-filler. I think you'll like it. There, that's it. There you are. Thank you, Judge. Well, see you Monday, Miss Fitch. Oh, uh, by the way, Horace, I meant to ask you before. I hope you'll give us the pleasure of dining with us as usual on Thursday. Mm, I thought you'd forgotten all about Thanksgiving. Not at all. Thanksgiving wouldn't be Thanksgiving without you, Horace. <laughs> you know that. <laughs> While I fit this, I feel like a sissy in this fool outfit. This is the kind of clothes the pilgrims wore. And they were no sissies. Yeah, but they didn't have to wear them in front of a whole auditorium full of people. Stand still, will you, before I jab you with this pin? Courtship of Miles Standish. Why don't you speak for yourself, John? Yeah. Oh! I told you you'd get stuck. <laughs> no. I think you're going to look real cute when I get this down. That's just what I'm afraid of. That's what the whole school is going to think. Leroy, will you stand still? <laughs> it wouldn't have been so bad if I was Miles Standish. I'd get to wear a helmet. But John Alden, that panty waist. I'm lucky the teacher didn't make me play Priscilla. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see why you feel that way. John Alden is a hero. Remember, it's John Alden who gets the girl. Yeah, Ethel Hammerschlag, you can have her. <laughs> And Leroy. Hello. Well, look at our little pilgrim. Hey, Marge, can't I take this off now? No, wait till I get it pinned. You know your lines yet, young man? Some of them. Well, it's about time. You've been rehearsing that part for a month. I've been trying to get out of this for a month. That's no attitude to take. The courtship of Miles Standish is great literature. I studied it in school myself. I remember it to this very day. Uh, this is the forest primeval, the murmuring pines in the hills. That's Evangeline, Uncle Mort. Eva- well, that's good, too. <laughs> Uh, let's hear you recite that speech you were having trouble with last night, Leroy. No, I don't want it. Come on now, I want to see if you've learned it. Oh, some other time, Uncle. No, right now. I'd like to hear it. We both would. Wouldn't we, Marjorie? We'd love to. No, I won't do it. Not if she's going to listen. Young man, you'll recite that speech or you'll go right upstairs to your room. Okay. <laughs> we're waiting. Let's see. Uh, um... Pretty Mistress Priscilla, turn out of that field of the suit of one who go absent yet, uh, yet, uh... Yet loves thee with a noble and undying passion. Go back and try it again. Do I have to? Yes. If you don't keep at it, you'll never learn the part. If I don't learn the part, maybe we won't have to do it. <laughs> you'll do it or I'll know the reason why. Come on now, once more. Pretty Mistress Priscilla... Pretty Mistress... I can't say it. You're not trying. <laughs> Pretty Mistress Priscilla... <laughs> Now you've got me doing it. Oh, Bertie, I want to talk to you. Leroy, you go up to your room and practice. Darn old Miles Standish anyway. Uh, Quiet, you. (laughs) Bertie, I've invited Judge Hooker to Thanksgiving dinner. So that'll mean one more. That'll mean five more. What? Yes, I hope you don't mind, Uncle Mort. I invited four of the boys from Camp Fuller. Oh, well, fine. The more, the merrier. Thanksgiving isn't Thanksgiving unless there are plenty around to enjoy the turkey. Uh, speaking of turkey, Mr. Gillsleeve. Uh, yes, Bertie? 
You wouldn't want to buy a chance on one, would you, I don't suppose? Uh, what do you mean, Betty? Well, the ladies at my church is holding a turkey raffle. Again? If, all right, I'll buy a chance. How much are they? Twenty-five cents. That's for one. One chance. There you are. There's a quarter. Thank you. Most everybody around here has bought one from me. All the neighbors. Well, you're doing fine. Of course. If you used to buy two chances. It stands to reason you'd have twice as good a chance as they have. Yeah. <laughs> no getting around that, Bertie. All right, I'll take two. Mr. Gillsleeve, you're making no mistake. Turkey's awfully expensive this year. Yes, I know, Bertie. Forty-eight cents a pound at day one grocery. Oh, brother. Yeah. <laughs> so if even you used to buy three chances, you'd still be ahead. <laughs> Sold, Bertie. Make it three. Yes, sir. Let's see now. How many is it going to be for dinner? Well, there's Marjorie and Leroy and Judge Hooker and Mrs. Ransom and the four soldiers and you, Bertie. That makes nine. And you, that makes 12. <laughs> oh, yeah, ask me. That's going to take a big turkey. Well, maybe we should order one right away and ask him to hold it for us. Well, let's wait and see how this raffle comes out first, Marjorie. We don't want to be stuck with two turkeys, you know. Of course, they've sold quite a lot of chances on it. You've only got three. Uh, Bertie, if you can guarantee I'll get the turkey, I'll take five chances. Well, I can't promise nothing. But my cousin's doing the drawing. <laughs> I'll take five. Well, that'd be a dollar and a quarter. That's right. Well, here's another dollar. That's quite a lot of money. Yes, it is. A dollar and a quarter will buy a lot of things. Don't I know it. You wouldn't like to take a couple more chances just to protect your investment. <laughs> you get out of here, Bertie, before you ruin me. I got to get down to the ration board. Look at that crowd. It, pardon me. It, could somebody tell me whether this is where you get B ration books? No, this is where you don't get them. <laughs> yeah, wise guy. And madam, would you mind? You can't shove in here. I'm not trying to shove in. Right, end of the line. End of the line. I've been waiting here since 2 o'clock and you come trying to shove in. Yeah. Madam, I was merely trying to ask a civil question. Oh, right, end of the line, yes. bud. Just a minute. Who do you think you're pushing? Well, who do you think you're pushing? Well, who do you think you're pushing? Why, George, if you weren't wearing glasses... Well, I'll take them off. There. You look worse. Put them back on. <laughs> yeah, what's the fuss here? What's the fuss? He tried to shove in ahead of me. I did not. He did, too, and he squeezed my hand. Oh! <laughs> now, look here, my good woman. We'll have to ask for order here, my friend. Why don't you just take your place in the line? I'm trying to find out whether this is the right line. I've come for my B-ration book. Oh, you've come for it, huh? Yes. I have my application right here. Uh, you and a hundred million others. What? <laughs> Young man, evidently you don't know who I am. I happen to be Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve, and I have to do a lot of driving. Where to? Well, out to the reservoir. To the reservoir? What for? To see if there's anything in it. Yeah? <laughs> Listen, brother, if we gave a ration book to everybody who wants to drive out to the reservoir for a little necking in the moonlight... I don't do any necking in the moonlight. Oh, you like it in the dark? Yeah. No! <laughs> And I didn't come here to be insulted by underlings. End of the line, bud. Yes, end of the line. End of the line. End of the line. Oh, shut up. <laughs> oh, judge. 
I want you to tell this young whippersnapper here where I get where he gets off. Well, now, Gildy. He has the nerve to tell me I'm not entitled to a B-ration book. Well, he may be right, Gildy. You're only sharing the ride with one person. You can't throw those technicalities at me, Hooker. You're the share of my rider. You signed this application yourself. I know that, Gildy. As a share of the rider, I'd be delighted to see you get your ration book. But as a ration official, I couldn't possibly pass this application. My conscience wouldn't allow it. All right, Judge. As a ration official, you needn't bother to come to Thanksgiving dinner. And as a share of the rider, from now on, you can walk. I'm the line. Oh, you can have your old line. <laughs> the Great Gildersleeve will be with us again in just a few seconds. If you're troubled with a food budget that's hard to keep in line these days, just remember this. There are any number of wholesome, good-tasting, nutritious foods that can help you keep your food budget down. Now, one such food, surely, is parquet margarine, Kraft's delicious spread for bread, because it's good-tasting, economical, and nutritious. Parquet margarine's flavor is something pretty special. Thousands know it as the margarine that tastes so deliciously good. And just as important... Parquet margarine is an economical source of food elements that your family needs. Yes, wholesome, nourishing parquet margarine is one of the best energy foods you can serve. And the year-round, every pound of parquet contains 9,000 units of important vitamin A. Yes, it's wise to economize with parquet margarine. It's delicious, nutritious, and thrifty. So buy parquet margarine tomorrow. Just ask your food dealer for parquet, P-A-R-K-A-Y, parquet. The margarine that's made by Kraft. Now back to Summerfield at the Great Gildersleeve. Apparently, he'll get no more gas than the rest of us, but uh, what about turkey? It's Tuesday afternoon now, only two days before Thanksgiving. We find our hero checking last-minute details with Marjorie. What about those four soldiers, my dear? Are you sure they're coming? Oh, yes. I had a note this morning from their commanding officer. They'll arrive at 12 o'clock sharp in a jeep. A jeep? Mm -hmm. Oh, brother, what an appetite they'll have. (laughs) (laughs) I'll have to run around the house a couple of times to get myself up to concert pitch. Can't let the boys show me up at my own table. I don't think you need to worry about that, Uncle Mort. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess we're all set. Soldiers accepted. Hooker canceled. Mrs. Ransom. Uh, Mrs. Ransom's coming, isn't she? Well, you invited her, didn't you? No, I thought you'd take care of that. You're the lady of the house. Oh, but I thought you'd want to. Oh, dear. And I went over there this morning to borrow a roasting pan for the turkey and never said a word about it. Uh, what, must, what must she think? Oh, this is terrible. This is awful. I'll run over there right now. Sir was right. She's made other plans. A fine thing. Borrow a woman's roaster and then not invite her to dinner. Oh, my goodness. Mr. Gildersleeve. Eh, uh, Leela, I've come to explain. I don't know what there is to explain, I'm sure. Uh, may I come in? Well, I'm rather busy. Just for a moment. Well. Leela, of course you're coming to Thanksgiving dinner Thursday. Well, I'm hardly in the habit of going to places to which I've not been invited, Mr. Gildersleeve. Uh, but you are invited. You've been invited all along. There was a mix-up, that's all. I thought Marjorie had asked you, and Marjorie thought I had. How do I know? How do I know you're not just inviting me for my roasting pan? <laughs> Lilo, when I thought of inviting you, nothing was further from my mind than a roasting pan. Oh, you say those things, but you don't mean them. It's the truth. 
You were the first one on my list, Leela. Was I, Throckmorton? Sure enough. Yeah, sure enough. <laughs> oh, but I'm afraid I couldn't accept it this late date. You see, I've had all these other invitations. Oh. If I turn them down now, I know they'd be heartbroken, much as I'd like to have dinner with you. We're having a 20-pound turkey. I love turkey, but I'm afraid I can't. I'll save you the white meat. No, don't tempt me now. I'll save you the wishbone. We can make a wish on it. What would you wish, Throckmorton? <laughs> I'm not supposed to tell you. Well, I don't know that I could trust you with a wishbone. And, <laughs> and anyway, I've promised these other people. But you've got to come, Leela. Marjorie and Leroy will be terribly disappointed if you don't. And so will I. So will Bertie. If so, will the army. The army? Yes, we're having four young lieutenants to dinner, too. Throckmorton, why in the world didn't you say so? You mean you'll come? Will I? You're too good to me, Leela. <laughs> what did she say, Uncle Moore? She's coming with bells on. I wouldn't put it past her. Huh? Shotgun? No, Leroy, certainly not. Why? I'm supposed to bring a gun to school tomorrow. What kind of a school are they running? A reform school? <laughs> no, Miles Standish has got to have a blunderbuss. A blunderbuss. Here's your building suit, Leroy. I pressed the collar, so don't mess it up. Oh, put it on, Leroy, and show Uncle Mort how nice it looks, not finished. Oh, no. Go ahead. You look real nice in it. I look like a sissy in it. You look better than you do in that Mickey Mouse sweatshirt you wear all the time. Yeah, and cleaner, too. <laughs> Put on the pilgrim suit, Leroy. Oh, um... Your sister worked hard on it. Won't do you any harm to put it on once. Go ahead. Okay. I'd like to meet that guy Longfellow. Yeah. <laughs> well, Bertie, you think we're going to have enough turkey for all these people Thursday? I don't know, Mr. Gilsley. Let's see now. We've got four soldiers and the four of us here and Mrs. Ransom. What about Judge Hooker? Judge Hooker is an ungrateful old goat. Never mention his name in this house. Excuse me. I didn't know it was like that again. <laughs> There'll be eight of us at dinner And you know the way soldiers eat You think we ought to figure on two turkeys? I don't know, Mr. Gillsleeve I don't know what we ought to do What's the matter, Bertie? You seem to be sort of dragging today <coughs> I don't know I don't guess I feel so good Out a little late last night? No, sir, no later than usual I just got a feeling, that's all What kind of a feeling? Like things wasn't going to work out somehow Oh, well, don't let it get you down uh, by the way, when are they going to raffle off that turkey I bought all those chances on? Yes, we can't wait much longer to find out about that. Thanksgiving's only two days off. I was thinking, Mr. Gillsleeve, how would it be if we had a nice ham instead of a turkey? <laughs> Bertie, are you hiding something from us? No, sir, I ain't hiding nothing. Except they had that raffle last night. Oh. You came close, Mr. Gillsleeve. You came mighty close. The winning number was 61, and you had 62. <laughs> but it still leaves us without a turkey. Well, sort of. Oh, well, if you gamble, you have to expect those things. Well, we better order a turkey right away, though. Yes, we can't invite all those soldiers to come 20 miles for Thanksgiving dinner and have no Thanksgiving dinner. Well, I'll go call up the market and reserve one. That's just a trouble. What do you mean? I called up the market, and all the turkeys is reserved. You mean they won't sell us one? Butcher says there ain't a turkey left in Summerfield. I don't know what's the matter. Last week, no pot roast. This week, no turkey. We've got to have a turkey. We've invited all these soldiers. We've invited Mrs. Ransom. We've got to find one. But where? Don't ask me. All right, Uncle. How do you like it? Like what? The pilgrim suit. Oh, forget the pilgrim suit. We just lost our turkey. No turkey? No turkey. How do you like that? 
Well, it looks like we'll all wind up eating turkey sandwiches at the drugstore. Yeah. Some Thanksgiving. The drugstore. Maybe Peavy's got a turkey. Hold everything, kids. I'll be right back. I'm going to the drugstore. <laughs> Gildersleeve. Uh, Peavy. Peavy, you've got to help me out. Well, I'm always glad to do customer service. Good. Have you got a turkey? Uh, what was that again? Have you got a turkey? A turkey? Well, now, I've had people come in here and ask for some strange things, but this is the first time I've ever had a request for a turkey. It, uh, but never mind that. Have you got one? No, Mr. Gildersleeve. Uh, turkeys are one thing that I don't carry. I'm sorry. Uh, have you tried the meat market? <laughs> Of course I've tried the meat market. Why do you think I came in here? I wondered. Now, just a minute, Peavy. You serve turkey sandwiches at your soda fountain, don't you? Yes, we do serve a turkey sandwich. You can't make a turkey sandwich without a turkey, can you? Well, now, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> in other words, Peavy, your turkey sandwich is not a turkey sandwich. Well, turkey sandwich has become a sort of a trade expression, although we serve it with genuine cranberry jelly on the side. <laughs> but suppose you don't care for cranberry jelly. Yeah, then you just ask for the regular chicken sandwich. Yes, sir. Evie, I'm surprised at you. I don't know how you can sleep nights. Well, I did used to have a little trouble, but I just take a cup of hot cocoa before going to bed now, and I find that sets me right. So does Mrs. Peavy. <laughs> Well, this isn't finding a turkey. i got to get going. Goodbye. Goodbye, Mr. Gildersleeve. Have a nice Thanksgiving. And same to you. Don't drink too much cocoa. And don't let Mrs. Peavy... Any luck, Uncle Moore? Uh, not a bit, my dear. I've been everywhere. It's no use. The Army's picked the place clean. There's not a single turkey left. Maybe I should warn those boys at camp. They'll do better if they stay there. Yes. Wait. There's just one chance left. What's that? If we can find out who won the turkey in Bertie's raffle, we might be able to buy it from him. Uh, Bertie! Yes, Mr. Uh, would you mind coming in here? Yes, sir. Bertie, do you know who won that turkey in your raffle? Uh, no, sir. Hmm. Do you think you could find out? Well, sir, I might be able to, and then again I might not. Uh, what do you mean by that? Well, if I still find out who won, you might not like it. Come clean, Bertie. What bush are you beating about now? You know who won the turkey? Uh, yes. Well, why didn't you say so? Who is it? Well, you said never to mention Judge Hooker's name. Oh! <laughs> I told you you wasn't going to like it. Well, there goes our only chance. But Uncle Moore, don't you think Judge Hooker would be willing to let you have it? After what I told him down at the ration board? No, my dear, I really gave him a piece of my mind there. But if you took it all back and invited him to dinner again... When he's got the turkey, he'd just laugh at me. He'd... He'd... Uh... Wait a minute. Uh, Bertie. Yeah? Does Judge Hooker know yet that he's won the turkey? No, sir. I'm supposed to deliver it to him this evening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, folks. I got to see a judge about a bird. <laughs> I've come to ask your forgiveness. You've come to the wrong place, Gildersleeve. That's a cruel attitude, Judge, but I don't blame you for taking it. You behave like a boor, Gildersleeve. You're right, a big boor. In front of a whole lot of people, too. Yeah, 
I could kick myself when I think of it. Well, we all fly off the handle sometimes. There was no excuse for it, doing a thing like that to my old friend. Well, guilty of... Horace, you may think me a sentimental old fool, but we've been pals for a good many years now, haven't we? Uh, off and on. <laughs> yes, guilty, we have. Off and on. Yes. <laughs> and we've always had Thanksgiving dinner together, haven't we? Yeah, I guess that's right. Well, I want you to have it with us again this year. You really mean that? Horace, I've said it before, and I mean it now more than ever. If you don't come to Thanksgiving dinner, it just won't be Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> well, then, I'll certainly be delighted to come. Good. Don't forget now. I won't. We'll be counting on you. I'll be there. What time would you like to have me come? Oh, come early, Judge. Uh, come about 9 o'clock in the morning. 9 o'clock? Yeah. And when you come, would you mind bringing that turkey you won in the raffle, Judge? <laughs> Pleasant day. Oh, stick around, Judge. The evening's young yet. No, I've got to get an early start in the morning. But I don't know when I've had a finer Thanksgiving. Well, it was your turkey, Judge. Yeah. I share my turkey, you share your car. That's the spirit today. Yeah, and good spirit, too. It brings people together, Judge. Yes, it does, Gildy. I'm sorry we had that misunderstanding down at the ration board. As a matter of fact, you're probably entitled to a B ration. You use your car for official business. Well, I don't want a B book. What? No, I've been thinking about it, Horace. It seems to me the spirit of rationing is to get along with as little as you can, instead of grabbing all you can get. You're absolutely right, Gildy, and I'm glad to hear you say it. You're a credit to the community. Well, thank you, Horace. And you may rest assured that even though I only, I've only a humble A ration, my car will still be at your service at all times. You mean that, Gildy? I do, indeed. That's fine. I've got to meet a train at Moore's Junction at 6 o'clock tomorrow morning. Good night, Gildy. Yeah. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> Original music heard on this program was composed and conducted by Billy Mills. This is Ken Carpenter speaking for the Kraft Cheese Company and inviting you to tune in again next week for the further adventures of the Great Gildersleeve. Ladies, when you want to make good macaroni and cheese, get a package of Kraft Dinner. This wonderful product is really an answer to a housewife's prayer for an easy and quick-to-make main dish. It takes only seven minutes cooking time to fix delicious macaroni and cheese with Kraft Dinner. Put the macaroni that's in the package into boiling water and cook rapidly for seven minutes. In just that short time, you have fluffy, tender macaroni all ready for the cheese goodness. So you take the package of Kraft Grated, which comes with Kraft Dinner, and sprinkle it on the macaroni. 
stirring the delicious cheese flavor through and through. That's all there is to it. Your macaroni and cheese is ready to be served. And once you've prepared it this way, you'll never want to go back to the old-fashioned way of baking it. Not when Kraft Dinner gives you such tempting macaroni and cheese in just seven minutes. Why not try it tomorrow? Just ask your dealer for a package of Kraft Dinner. It's so convenient, so economical, and so good. This program reached you from Hollywood. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Well, guys, that does it for my Thanksgiving Part 2 episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Please join me now as I welcome to the show to start off our Christmas Spectacular Part 2, Miss Judy Garland and Miss Margaret O'Brien in the MGM Lux Radio Theater presentation of Meet Me in St. Louis. And then after the show, guys, please stay tuned to hear Miss Judy Garland sing a couple of Christmas songs. Join me tomorrow night, guys, as I bring to the show Miss Lucille Ball and Mr. Richard Denning in the CBS comedy show My Favorite Husband. Then join me this coming Tuesday as I bring back Miss Maureen O'Hara in the Lux Radio Theater presentation of Miracle on 34th Street. Then join me in the coming weeks, guys, as I bring such stars as Mr. Robert Young in the NBC comedy show Father Knows Best, Mr. Frank Sinatra, and Mr. Joseph Cotton. others just stay tuned for those episodes and if you like the show please comment and subscribe guys and always remember to enjoy the show thanks <laughs>